We are glad to announce we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy for the upcoming NFL season. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. In case you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app for player props. Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in respective sport. For this NFL season, Thrive allows you to choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The most points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has $50,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1. Use promo code PODCAST when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today, we are here with our second edition of our college basketball recaps. And Andrew, we are going to get started right away talking about some of the COVID cancellations and pauses from certain teams that we've seen. Obviously, headlining the news, we've seen Baylor has been canceled today. We are recording this pod on Saturday, so obviously they got paused on Saturday. Gonzaga got paused last week. Houston got paused earlier this week. Louisville got paused a lot around last Sunday, and Virginia was paused on Friday. So, Andrew, we also see, along with that, big games such as Michigan State, Virginia, as well as Baylor and Gonzaga have been canceled due to COVID outbreaks with certain teams. I mean, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this? I know there's been some positive news we've seen. I think almost 88% of teams are still up and running, and I think 80% of games have been played at this point. So I think that's a good thing so far, but I'm interested to hear your opinion on this. Yeah, well, Henry, you said it yourself. I mean, we are off starting this podcast talking about COVID pauses and cancellations and I can't say we were expecting any differently going into the season. It's just reality now that we're seeing these big games and big teams just getting put on pause and these games getting postponed and canceled. I mean, my thoughts on it is I didn't expect any less, you know, I, I expected this going into the season because unless you put these guys in a bubble where nobody's let in and out of it, there was no way that these players and coaches and these programs are not going to catch the virus, especially with the country trending upwards in cases and going back to almost the same numbers. And I, I might be mistaken. I'm not really sure about the COVID numbers in this country, but it might even be more than it was in March and April when it was at its peak. So you can't expect these guys, especially with all the traveling, to not catch it. So do I blame these programs? No, maybe if they're being careless with their protocols, sure, you they you give you have the right to blame them. But if they're following protocols, it's almost it's really hard not to catch it. But the best they can do is be responsible. And the best we can do is just hope that these programs are being responsible and that they're not catching it. But my thoughts on it, I, I can't say I was gonna expect any differently before the season started. Now it's just reality now. So it, it is what it is, and it's going to happen. I mean, it's no different than anybody else in the country catching it. But, of course, 
these players have games to be played and there's a lot of money on the line. So there's the difference right there between a regular person and these athletes and coaches and programs catching it. But one interesting thing I want to say is how Coach K of Duke was coming out saying, well, before the season started, he was really excited to play. But once he lost his two non-conference games at home to Michigan State and Illinois, all of a sudden he's against playing right now during the pandemic. So there's there's a lot going on with that because if he lost, if he, I, I want to ask this question to you, Henry. If he didn't lose those two non-conference games, do you think he'd still be complaining about them playing through the pandemic? Or do you think he'd be perfectly fine with it like he was at the beginning of the season? Andrew, actually, I think you're wrong on the fact that he wanted to play. He he and Rick Pitino, the head coach of Iona, obviously. Rick Pitino is not an Iona-level head coach, as we all know. But with some rule-breaking, that's where he's at at this point. But... He, before the season, along with Rick Pitino, were very ad- advocating on moving the season back to January, playing an only conference schedule, and then having May, Mad- May Madness, excuse me. But obviously, I think the fact that they're 2-2 two and two doesn't help the fact that he's canceled the rest of his non-conference games and wants there to be a pause. But I like what Tom Izzo, the Michigan State basketball head coach, came out and said and said there's really no other better place at this point for the player's safety, for their mental health, because the player, the players want to play, and the best thing for their mental health is continuing to allow them to play basketball. Obviously, the teams that go on pause, it's a little bit of a different story, but for teams like Michigan State and Duke, who haven't been put on pause so far this season, crossing our fingers that it stays that way, Andrew, I mean, the best place for these athletes is to be on the court playing basketball, Andrew. Yeah, and like you said, Coach K was saying a little about the season being moved back, but you did not hear much of him really pushing it. Like, yeah, he said he said it a couple times. Yeah, I don't know if we should be playing non-conference right now, but I don't recall ever him making any headlines about him pushing for the season to either be pushed back or can't or canceled. So, I. It, it's just weird timing for him to come out with this statement, this big of a statement, especially after his two non-conference losses. It, it just doesn't look great on him and his reputation right now. But maybe, I mean, I just didn't hear anything about before the season, but maybe he was really pushing for it. it just nothing broke the news really about what he said. Yeah, Andrew, I don't think he was as publicly clear about it when he was talking about it throughout the offseason. I think he's just much more advocating about it, specifically about what you said, that they're two and two. But now, Andrew, speaking about Duke and another one of the top tier programs in Kentucky. I mean, Andrew, we see throughout the season so far, these schools are combined, I think, three and six now. And for Duke and Kentucky to be three and six, I mean, that's that's not good. I mean... For Duke, in Duke case, I'm I'm worried about them. You usually, on a team like that, have a guy who's who is a go-to scorer. Last year, you had Vernon Carey, Trey Jones. The year before, you had R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, and also Cam Reddish at times. But this year's team just doesn't seem like they have that go-to scorer who can get a bucket whenever you need it. As for Kentucky, I trust Cal. He's always had young teams. There's not a single player on this roster that's played a game so far this season that's played a game for Kentucky before this year. 
They, these guys just have to gel together. I trust Cal. I think this Kentucky team will be very good when conference play hits. They're playing a brutal schedule. I don't think a lot of fans realize how hard it is to just play power five teams week in and week out, no matter how bad they are. It's They're still ridiculously hard games, especially for a team like this. They have a lot of talent. They have a guys who can score like Devin Askew, like Davion Mintz, like Brandon Boston, like Terrence Clark. And you saw it today with Olivier Saar. They have a go-to scorer in the post. Andrew, this team, I mean, they got a long way to go, but I'm not as worried about them as I am for Duke. Yeah, and I have to agree with you. This Kentucky team is very young. And that Duke team is young, but this Kentucky team is really, really young. And they have potential. They have scores, and I expect them to improve and a lot of their younger players, all their freshmen to start developing and their scores to start scoring more. And I think this will happen over time and over the season as the season goes on. But I, I think Kentucky should, although they shouldn't feel great right now, their future, I think in the rest of the season, they should be improving and it should be looking pretty bright for them going forward, even though they are in a rough spot right now. But Duke, you said it yourself. They don't have any scores, and although they are a young team, they're not nearly as young as Kentucky is, and they have some veteran leaders, but those veteran leaders aren't really producing on the court. And when you leave it up up to young guys to start scoring and doing everything and leading these teams, it's hard. And you see it with Jalen Johnson. He, he He came in, and he was supposed to be the main scorer, the main producer for this Duke team. And he's just not the type of guy who you have taking 15 to 20 shots a game. And he, he just doesn't play like that. He's more of a defensive for presence and he can drive and score a, a decent amount of the time, but he's just not a guy who facilitates the ball well and, and to have the ball in his hands a lot. And you don't really see anybody else, but him taking those shots and taking and just taking the ball and controlling it. None of these guys seem like they want the ball. And that's the problem with Duke. They don't have someone stepping up and leading this team. And maybe you blame that on Coach K because maybe he didn't get his guys ready. Maybe he's just not telling his veteran players to step up and start doing what they need to do. Like, for example, Joey, or uh, not Joey Baker. Well, actually Joey Baker, but Jordan Goldwire. Come on. That guy's supposed to be the veteran leader of this team. And he has not been doing much. And Joey Baker as well. He is supposed to be a veteran leader of this team. He's not doing much. And Matthew Hurt and Jalen Johnson are trying to do as much as they can to step up these younger players with Matthew Hurt being a sophomore and Jalen Johnson being a freshman. But they can only do so much. And without these veteran players stepping up, they are having a hard time. And they're not really playing team basketball. And that's the problem with this team. And I partially blame this on Coach K. Yeah, Andrew, I mean, you talked about Kentucky. They'll be fine. I, I think this is just year in, year out with Kentucky. Usually they start off the season a little bit better, but we're in different circumstances right now, and I think that's what's really affecting them. Duke, I, I don't know. I mean, they'll win games. They'll make the tournament. is Duke. They're, they're going to be fine. But to play at a level like they have the past two years, I, I don't see this team being able to do that. But, Andrew, speaking about two teams from the conference that gave Duke a lot of trouble, the Big Ten, Andrew, and I mean, holy smoke, this this conference is loaded. I mean, you could argue right now they have probably four top 10 teams, three top five. You have Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois, three top five teams right now. 
You also have Wisconsin, who's probably a top five, top 10 team, excuse me. They're not a top five team right now. You also have Michigan. You have Rutgers. You have Ohio State. You have arguably Indiana, who are all top 25 teams. You have Purdue, who if they stop blowing leads and get their point, their point guard back, he's not their starter, but he's a very big piece to their team. And Jaden Ivey back, they'll be solid. Penn State. They just beat the number 15 team, Virginia Tech. I don't think they're the number 15 team, but they went on the road and beat them by 26. You also have Nebraska, Gabe Creighton some fits. You have Northwestern, probably should have beaten Pitt. I mean, I'm probably – I'm forgetting teams, I guarantee you that. But, I mean, Andrew, this Big Ten is as loaded as it's ever, as it's ever going to be, and it's probably almost guaranteed the best conference in college basketball right now. Yeah, the Big Ten, you saw it on display. They did they did some work in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And although it wasn't as big of a margin as you thought the, uh, the uh, challenge was between the ACC and Big Ten, if you watch some of these games, these teams were blowing them out. As you mentioned, Penn State just went on the road to number 15 Virginia Tech and just blew them out of the waters, Henry. And Penn State wasn't going into this game expecting to win it. And also you had Michigan State, Virginia getting canceled. And Michigan State was probably going to win that game. And they were favored pretty heavily, I think, in that game, coming into it as the number four team in the country. So that's another, expecting they win, predicting that they win. That's another win for the Big Ten in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So I think the Big Ten did some work in that Big Ten ACC Challenge. And you also have Iowa, who can't be stopped right now. We'll get into that soon uh, in one of our next segments. But And also, you have Illinois, who, although they lost to Baylor, Illinois is a damn good basketball team. Really good with Io Dosumu, Kofi Coburn, and they also have star freshman Adam Miller. Not enough people are talking about him. He is playing like one of the better freshmen in the country, even though he wasn't regarded as one of the best freshmen in the country. And Henry, this Big Ten, and I, I mentioned Michigan State. Those are all top five teams, Illinois, Iowa, and Michigan State. This Big Ten conference is really, really good. You have Wisconsin, although they lost to Marquette, Wisconsin's a really good basketball team. You also have Michigan, Ohio State, and Rutgers, who should all be ranked in the top 25 come next week. Henry, this, this, and Indiana is not far off. Keep that in mind, too. This Big Ten conference is very, very good. And without a doubt, I think it's the best conference in college basketball. Yeah, Andrew, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, the Big Ten going into next week will probably have seven or eight teams you could say guaranteed to be ranked i i think six is a guarantee you'll probably get michigan in there indiana's a possibility but they lost so i don't think they'll probably get in and andrew i mean this conference is just loaded i mean it's it's just crazy how good it's going to be and how how tough games will be night in and night out but andrew talking about a team not in the power conference but I mean, this San Diego State team, Andrew, they have a chance to go undefeated. They just punked a Pac-12 team in Arizona State, a probably ranked team, maybe not after this week, I would say. But Arizona State's a solid team overall, and San Diego State had no no sweat beating them. I mean, Andrew, they don't have much of a tough schedule the rest of the way. Is this the team that could possibly go undefeated this year, Andrew? 
Yeah, and we were talking about this last season and how they could possibly go undefeated, and they came close, but this season, especially without fans, it's much easier to go on uh, the road and get wins, and I think it's a legitimate possibility that even though the San Diego State team might not be better than last year's team, there's a good chance this one could go undefeated just because of how much easier it is to go on the road and win these games now without these fans. It's much easier to win on the road in this college basketball season. I think we could be seeing that with San Diego State. And like I said, I think you can make a legitimate case for them going undefeated the rest of the way. So the question was, do I think they can go undefeated for the rest of the season? 100%. Do I think they will? Probably not, because it's very difficult, even without fans, to win every single game this season. But do I think they can? For sure, Henry. Yeah, Andrew, and now moving on to a team that's just just dominant. I mean, Andrew, this this Iowa team, although they can't defend anyone, it's still a glaring prob- problem, excuse me, that they can't guard anyone. That will probably come back to haunt them sometime in the season. I will tell most fans that their defensive problems will come back to haunt them sometime this season. But Andrew, I mean, they're almost a lock to score at least 85 points a game. I mean, Luca Garza had 34 points in 17 minutes. He's probably the national player of the year favorite by a long shot at this point. I mean, everyone in that starting lineup is probably a 45% plus three-point shooter. I mean, Andrew, is there a way to guard Iowa? Uh, I, there, There is a way. But it's very difficult. And I can tell you right now, the way to beat them is to match their offensive power. But the way to do that is to attack Luca Garza. And I haven't seen enough teams doing this. North Carolina did an okay job at it, but it wasn't amazing. And you got to attack him. And you have to try to make him foul and get him out of the game because Luca Garza, his one weakness is that he's not athletic. So if you go up against him at the rim, he he's not he won't be as good of a contest, especially in the post as many of these guys and these bigs in the NCAA. So the, the way to attack this Iowa team and to possibly beat them is to try to get Luca Garza out of the game because as long as Luca Garza is in the game, this Iowa team will start killing people on the offensive end, and that's what they've been doing. And Luca Garza is the national player of the year by a wide margin as of right now. And I believe it will stay that way because Luca Garza is on pace to average around 30 points per game this season. I think that's ridiculous. Keep in mind, Obi Toppin won uh, national player of the year last year. He averaged 20 points per game. This is a whole 10 points per game more. And Luca Garza is going out and scoring 30 points per game on a nightly basis Luca Garza is unreal, and his one weakness is defense. So if teams can start attacking him, that's the way you beat Iowa. But as of right now, Iowa's looking like a top team in the country, and it will be really hard for any team to beat them. And this is just what makes this Big Ten Conference so good because we could be seeing Michigan State or uh, Illinois just play Iowa in conference play. You're going to see a top-five matchup, at least two or three top-five matchups, in the Big Ten, between three or four different teams, depending on how Wisconsin can play this year, that's possibly three or four, or that is three or four top 10 teams. How ridiculous is that? That just goes back to our last segment about how good 
this Big Ten conference is. But Iowa, going back to Iowa strictly, the best you can do is just try to get Luca Garza out of the game. And you do that by attacking him and try to get him to foul you. But besides that, Luca Garza cannot be stopped. And same with this Iowa offense. Andrew, the way that North Carolina guarded them was actually relatively was smart for the right part. And they had some problems where I don't think they should have done what they were doing. On defense, the way to stop them is to the guy you want to beat you is Luca Garza. Because if you start helping and double teaming on him, you leave wide, you leave wide open three point shooters. And that's that's how North Carolina got beaten. And if they would have just played one on one with Luca Garza in the post throughout the entire game, because they had the they had the ability to do that. They have the bigs to do that. A lot of teams don't, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, if if you make Luca Garza beat you, score 75 points by himself to win the game, then congrats. Luca Garza, you deserve to win the game. But the way you beat Iowa is to attack him on the defensive end, like you said, get him out of the game. Obviously, they have Jack Nuji, Nudgy. I don't know how you say his last name, but he's just as good, and he adds another shooting threat. But still, he's not Luca Garza. And if you, you have to play one-on-one. You can't help off because if you start helping – you're going to leave wide open three-point shooters, and those guys are going to knock them down. I'll guarantee you one team that will do that is Michigan State. Tom Izzo is never going to double-team a guy in the post. I like that idea. And if Michigan State or any team, especially a team like Illinois, who has a guy in Kofi Coburn who can match the size and physicality of Luka Garza, they have a chance to beat Iowa. But a lot of teams who don't have that physicality or just don't have that head coach with the type of brain – to defend like that, you have no chance against Iowa. But Andrew, moving on to one of our final two topics today, who are your top five teams right now? Well, my top five teams right now, starting off at number one, it's Baylor for me. And I know you can make the argument for Gonzaga, but Baylor is just a better all-around team. And although Gonzaga has one of the best offenses in uh, the NCAA right now, probably the second best behind the team we just talked about in Iowa. I believe Baylor is just a better all around team and Baylor has a really good offense, but maybe not as good as Gonzaga's, but Baylor's defense is so much better. Baylor, I believe has a top five offense and, or not top five, but top 10 offense and defense. And this Baylor team is probably the best all around team in the NCAA. And they're coming off of a great win. Although they're on pause right now, they're coming off a great win against Illinois. I would have loved to see, that Gonzaga or Baylor matchup, but unfortunately we did not get to see that, but that would have really showed me who's the better team between the two. And I was discussing this for a while and pretty much arguing over this with myself, who is the better team between Baylor and Gonzaga, but I believe Baylor is the better all around team. And speaking about that at number two, I have Gonzaga. They are a terrific offense, probably the second best offense behind Iowa, as I said, and Gonzaga is just a really good offensive team and that's how they beat uh, teams and they are pretty good defensively, but not nearly as good as Baylor. That's the only reason why I have them at number two at number three, I have Iowa. We just talked all about them, but they are just so good offensively and they've scored 90 plus points in every single game this season. That is ridiculous. Iowa is a super good team and they have the national player of the year so far in Luca Garza They cannot be stopped as of right now, but the only thing that's holding them back is their defense and their defense is 
not too great. And that's the only reason why I have them at three instead of one. But going on to number four, I have Illinois. And I have Illinois here because they are a better all-around team than the team I had at five. And the, the only reason why I put Illinois over this team, as I mentioned, they play better defense, I believe. And they can score a little bit better, I think. And they have the better player, the better star player, I should say, than the team at five. And that's what puts them above them because when it comes down to the clutch, Illinois will be able to get it done. And I'm just not sure if this next team at number five will be able to, and that is Michigan State. And Michigan State doesn't have a true star player. And I know Rocket Watts has been coming up and Aaron Henry was the expected star player, but none of them has really broken out yet to be that true first option. And Rocket Watts is very hot and cold, I feel like. He either gets really hot or he's just really cold and off. Depends with him. And Aaron Henry is pretty much the same. And although he isn't much of an offensive presence, he's a presence everywhere else. He's probably one of the most underrated defenders in college basketball right now. But at the offensive end, he just can't get it done consistently. And that's his problem with Michigan State. Defensively, they're pretty good. But on the offensive end, they can't consistently score. And that's a problem with them. And that's the only thing holding them back at being one of the top three teams in the country, I believe. They just have to start scoring more consistently and maybe improve their defense a little more. Their post defense isn't amazing, but if they can start scoring more consistently and their star players like Rocket Watts and uh, Aaron Henry can start getting hot on the offensive end on a consistent base, I can see Michigan State being a top three team in this country. But for now, they're still at number five for me. Yeah, Andrew, and my top three is exactly the same as yours. I have Baylor at one. I think they're the better all-around team than Gonzaga. I think they would have beaten Gonzaga. I have Gonzaga at two. I mean, you don't, you can't stop them. I think they're a better offensive team, or not better offense. I think they're just a better overall team than Iowa. Iowa, I have at three. We'll get to see that matchup next week. We'll talk about that next. There, you can't stop them on offense. It's it's pretty obvious. And here's why I have different. Andrew, I do have Michigan State at four. And for this reason, championship teams have a trio. You saw that with Virginia. They had at least three guys who you could say are go-to guys. You had Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter. You could add in Mabadi Diakite, Kihei Clark. He's not really a scorer, but you had Diakite as well. You had Villanova the year before. You had Jalen Brunson. You had Amari Spellman. You had Mikel Bridges. You had Dante Vincenzo, And with this Michigan State team, Andrew, you have Rocket Watts on offense. You have Joey Hauser on offense. And Aaron Henry, I don't know where you're getting that he hasn't really broken out. He, he's never really a guy who's going to get you 30 points a game. It's obvious. I mean, but the fact that he's he's averaging 12 points per game, he's, he's averaging, I think, six to seven rebounds a game and five assists, he, as well as a block and a half and a steal and a half, Andrew, He's becoming that complete player that Tom Izzo wants him to be. Tom Izzo made it clear that he doesn't want Aaron Henry to be the leading scorer on this team. He doesn't think that's Aaron Henry's game. He doesn't need Aaron Henry taking 40 shots a game. But the guy who's going to make clutch plays, and that's what Aaron he's done with Aaron Henry for three years now, is give Aaron Henry the ball in crunch time, and Aaron Henry is going to go out there and make big plays. Michigan State doesn't have a whole lot after those three, I could say. They have Josh Langford, Gabe Brown, Malik Hall. Those are guys who are all solid. They don't really have much of a post presence, as you mentioned. But I just think overall they have a better team and just a more experienced team than Illinois, which is why I have Illinois at 
five, I think Io Desumu is just the leader of that team. I think they're missing a little bit still. I think Kofi Coburn needs to get more consistent, but overall, I think Iowa, Illinois is the fifth best team in college basketball. Yeah, Henry. And what I said about Aaron Henry is that he should be coming more, he should be becoming more of an offensive leader for this team. And the problem is, is that he, some games he just doesn't take enough shots. And I would like to see him putting up close to 15 to 20 shots a game because that's just how good of a player he is. And I'm not denying that he's not a great player. He's just not becoming an offensive leader like he should be, I believe. And you said he's averaging 12 a game. Well, I would like to see him averaging 15 to 20 a game because I believe he's that good of a player. That's why I'm kind of critiquing and criticizing his game because he is a very good player. And that's why I think he should be scoring a little bit more. But also Joey Hauser has been playing great. And he's kind of the third guy you were talking about in that big three between Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, and Joey Hauser. So the only things holding them back is I just think the offensive consistency and efficiency between those three players are key for this team winning. And sometimes Aaron Henry, Rocky Watts, and Joey Hauser, those guys are all very hot and cold. When they're hot, they're on the top of their game. They are so good. But when they're cold, it's really tough for this Michigan State team to score points at all. And that's where this team, you saw it a little in the first half against Duke. These guys were not scoring much in the first half of the first half, I should say, because towards the second half of the first half, they were doing very good to end the half. But to start off, those guys were very, very cold, and that's why they couldn't get much going. But towards the second half and the second half of the first half, they were playing very good. And that's a very good basketball team when these three players start scoring very consistently. But when they aren't, this team offensively isn't very good. And that's their problem. In Illinois, just want to speak on those two between Illinois and Michigan State. They both handled Duke. Those were both very impressive wins. So that's why that's what really puts these two over the rest of the competition in the country is that they had both very impressive wins on the road against, although they do have two losses, this Duke team is very good and very hard to beat on the road. So very great wins with Illinois and Michigan State. So that's all I have to say about the, the top five and especially Michigan State. Yeah, Andrew, and for a final segment today, we're going to preview and talk about what we will see next week in college basketball, starting off with Creighton Marquette, start a Big East play. Always see a lot of upsets there. I think it's pretty obvious that it's a very good game. Richmond versus West Virginia is today, as we're posting this podcast, a very good chance for Richmond to prove themselves and as well as West Virginia, Texas Tech versus Kansas, a Thursday night game. We don't usually see big games on Thursday night for college basketball, but I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Two big 12 teams. I'm not really fond of Kansas, but we'll see if they can prove it against a very solid Texas Tech team on the road. Gonzaga versus Iowa. Andrew, this is the best matchup we'll see all week. This could be the best matchup we see all year until the final four or the NCAA tournament just in general. I mean, this is two top three teams going to the week, probably be number one, number three, based on the AP poll. And this is just going to be a game, 190, 179 final score. I mean, it's just going to be crazy high scoring. We have the CBS Sports Classic. We have Ohio State, North Carolina. And then we have UCLA versus Kentucky, two very good matchups. 
And then the final three matchups we have are Virginia versus Villanova at Madison Square Garden, a very good matchup against two with two preseason top five teams. Illinois Rutgers, a battle of two Big Ten teams, Rutgers on the come up as well as Illinois. I'm very excited to see them, that matchup. And then we have Oklahoma State versus Texas. Basically, Cade Cunningham on his first stage to prove his national relevance and prove that he is the number one overall pick going into next year's draft. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this before we wrap up today's podcast? Well, my thoughts on this is Gonzaga versus Iowa will be the best game we will see probably all season. So I'm looking forward to that. And also another uh, game I'm looking forward to is Creighton versus Marquette. And I think that's a very underrated game because Creighton, I believe, is the top 10 team in this country. And Marquette's another team that you saw take down a top 10 team in this country. And that was Wisconsin. At the time, they were actually top uh, five. So I'm really looking forward to that game. I think that's the most underrated matchup out of all of them. And of course, you have Virginia versus Villanova. I think that would be a def- which team is the better defender, I think, because uh, you Virginia is a very good defensive team. So it'll be interesting to see if Villanova can match their defensive presence. And, event- and if Villanova can keep their offense going, I think they have a really good chance to beat Virginia. And Texas versus Oklahoma State, I think just Texas is the better team. And I think this will be a quick reality check for Cade Cunningham because this will be kind of the first good team Cade plays. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how Cade can play. And also, I think I'm missing Richmond versus West Virginia. I think West, this will be Richmond's, I guess you can say Kentucky, but Kentucky hasn't really gotten into their best form yet. But I think this will be Richmond's first test to a really good defensive team in West Virginia. And these guys have really good post presences in uh, Culver and Chibwe. So it will be really interesting to see how Richmond responds to a very good West Virginia team. Texas Tech versus Kansas. I just think this goes to the better defensive team. Both have a really good offense. So it just comes down to that. And uh, am I missing? I think I'm missing the CBS Sports Classic that you mentioned. And that that is just a really packed turn, or tournament and classic, I think. So I'm really looking forward to that, too. And this should be a great week coming up in college basketball. Yeah, Andrew, I can say we're both very excited for this week's college basketball. Our next episode will feature us talking about college football and our predictions for the conference championship games, as well as the playoff in Heisman. With that, I think this would be a great time to wrap up today's podcast. We hope you did enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.